All right, so looking at these kids, I got to tell you guys, you need some help, don't you? Hey, have you ever had somebody say that to you? You need help. Felix, you need help. So what happens when I say, Felix, you need help? Or I say, hey, Dean, you need some help? But the reality is we all need help. However, there are two types of people in the world. There are people who always want help or typically want help. And there are people who want to do it themselves. And you see that in your kids, don't they? Don't you? You got the kid that's like, no, me, I want to do it. And you got the kid that's just perfectly happy to let you do it all, right? So we're kind of built that way, but the reality is we all need help. Further, the reality is, ladies, you were created to be that help to uh, a man if you're called into uh, a marriage relationship. Listen to what the scripture says. And uh, let me see, this Bible is really new, so I'm kind of trying to break it in a little bit here. Um, this is from the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 19. The scripture says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the sky and every beast of the field, but for Adam, and by the way, that name Adam, does anybody know what that means in Hebrew? Man. But for the man, for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. The Hebrew word for helper is the word ezer. Say it. Okay. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the Lord Jesus repeated that in the New Testament. So this isn't just something that is obscure out of the Old Testament. It is what we would call a seminal truth, a seed truth, an essential truth. So if you want to know at root, ladies, what you were created to be, it's not an inferior. It's not someone who is subject to a male. You were created to be a helper. And this is just in your, if you will, DNA. Now, there has been a lot of discussion over the years about uh, passages like this being used for the purpose of male domination and patriarchy and those sorts of things. But I found it interesting when I did a study years back when I was in uh, seminary on uh, women in ministry. There was a big argument at the time as to uh, what women should be permitted to do in the church as far as ministry because of certain passages in the New Testament. But when I did this study, it was fascinating because the word there that I told you for helper, do you remember what the word was? Say Ezer. So that word is most often used of one person in the Bible. Do you know who it's most often used of? God. Right? God is our helper. Is God inferior to you? Oh, no. Do you need God's help? Yes, you do. Ladies, you were created to be a helper. That's, 
that's just part of who you are, right? So there's all sorts of ideas about femininity and masculinity and how this fits into gender in our Western culture and so forth. But this is, this is in your DNA. It's, it's, it, you'll find that it just kind of flows out of you. So there, uh, there are very many differences among people. And there are certain things that uh, our culture would uh, call more masculine and other things our culture would call more feminine. And this is not to say that men can't help or be helpers, but I'm just telling you that that's a very, very powerful part of what you are. And if you understand that, then you will, I think, more be able to understand God's plan for you. Now today, the purpose of my message was really not to talk about women or Mother's Day or anything like that. But as someone mentioned, um, the person of God that is most often associated with help in the New Testament is who? The Holy Spirit. Right? Listen to, uh, listen to this passage. This is from um, John 15, 26 and 27. So this is just a little bit further down from the passage that we were in last week. The Lord Jesus said, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus anticipated from the beginning one of the primary reasons that he died on the cross and rose from the dead was to make purification for sins in order that the Holy Spirit could come and live in you. So the word that is translated both in the NASB, which is what I was just reading from, and the ESV, which you may have seen or do see up here on the screen, uh, the word that is translated helper, now we're in the New Testament. So by the way, uh, those of you Bible scholars in the room, Old Testament written in Hebrew, what's the New Testament written in? King James English? No. What's it written in? Greek, specifically Koine Greek, which was common Greek for that particular day, rather than or as opposed to Attic Greek, literary Greek, right? The word that is used uh, there, the word that is translated helper, and other translations will, uh, will translate it differently. So uh, there's one translation that translates it advocate, right? There's one translation that translates it counselor. It's the same word. It's the word paraclete. Say paraclete. That just, that sounds like something mechanical, doesn't it? And it doesn't come over real well. Ezer is gonna, yeah, that's kind of cool. But paraclete? Or it sounds like parakeet. I don't know, it's, it's weird. That's just transliterating the Greek uh, parakletos, right? So here's the literal, the uh, uh, Beasley Murray says, uh, the term parakletos is a verbal adjective with a passive sense and has the same meaning as, and he gives the uh, an, another word there, one called alongside. In secular Greek, it was used especially of one called to help another in court. So you can see why a translation would say advocate. This is someone that is called alongside. Let's go back to the Old Testament passage once again. So the woman was taken out of the man's what? Side because she was called alongside the man, right? So the Holy Spirit is the indwelling spirit. When we put our faith in Jesus, the spirit comes and dwells within us and he walks alongside us. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. He's our guide. We're going to pay attention to him. And men, you really ought to pay attention to your wife. 
And ladies, I'm sure you're going to make sure that he does, right? In any event, yeah, so each and every one of us um, are called by God to be saved and to live a Christian life, but not alone. Adam had all of this responsibility and, you know, his privileges that name these animals. Well, the purpose was to come to know them. And I know it's, you know, we've heard it said that, uh, that uh, the, uh, the dog is man's best friend. That's really not true. Dogs are awesome. But that's not your best friend. Are you a man? Are you married in this room? If you're a man and you're married in this room, raise your hand. Right? Your wife is your best friend, not your dog. And not your gun either side. <laughs> my best friend is my 40 cal. Walk here with me everywhere I go. My best friend is my shotgun that I go duck hunting with. No names will be mentioned. There's a guy on his phone, his, his name is spelled Edgar, anyway. But all of us, see, we're not all called to be married. Okay, I'm not married. Did you figure that out? And you're like, yeah, you're weird. What's wrong with you? I've never met anybody that I'm willing to submit to. I'm sorry. I think submission is mutual and I've just never met anybody like that. I'm just, I'm, I'm the first kind of person that doesn't need any help. I'm like, I'm good. No, 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 I got it. I got this. But see, the reality is we all get into situations we all find ourselves in situations where we really do need help, and that rugged independence is not a good thing. But see, I don't want those of you in this room that are single to feel like uh, I'm sort of uh, saying that you're robbed. In fact, the Lord Jesus said that there are people that are called by God to not be married. So figure that one out. But all of us, if we have faith in Jesus, have the Holy Spirit to walk alongside us, amen? And even those of you who are married, who have this wonderful spouse to walk alongside you, you need the Holy Spirit. And every wedding that I have anything to do with, whether I actually officiate the wedding or whether I just give the couple some counseling leading up to the wedding, I will tell you this, the closer each spouse, the husband and the wife, move to Christ, the closer they'll move to each other. You were designed to be with God forever. In spite of a lot of the, uh, the statements that are made, uh, as sometimes in weddings, you will not be married to your spouse for eternity. When we cross to the other side, Jesus himself said to the Sadducees, he said that those who are privileged to take part in the resurrection will not be married nor given in marriage. They'll be like the angels in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean you'll become an angel, right? But your primary loyalty and your primary relationship is to the Lord Jesus. And when we say Jesus in your heart, the person of God, the person of the Trinity that brings Jesus into your heart is the Holy Spirit. And he is a comforter. He is a counselor. He is, a, he is a, an advocate. He is a guide. He is the helper. And you need his help. Amen? So that's the title of this message. You need help. I don't know how any of us in this country, in this world that we're living in, got by the last year without the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, the, the last year has just been a, just a explosive dumpster fire. I, it's just, really, 
And I see so many people. I was talking to uh, a young person uh, last week about uh, an article that I read recently that said many people between 18 to 24 are experiencing significant anxiety. Well, see, the Apostle Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know how that peace comes? It comes through the Holy Spirit. Do you know why so many young people are experiencing anxiety? Because they don't have a real relationship with Jesus. You'll see a, a direct correlation between the uh, smaller number of young people who are expressing faith in Christ, and I mean a biblical faith in Jesus, and the corresponding number of those same young people who are experiencing heightened fear and anxiety. I haven't been scared the whole year. Is it just because I'm old and I'm ready to die? No. I'm not. I'm not that old. But I did have a degree of concern, we will say, when some judge I had never heard of in Dallas County was able to shut 2,600,000 people inside their homes at a word and tell them that if they got out for anything other than essential purposes that he deemed essential, they could be fined $1,200 or put in jail for six months. So suddenly we couldn't come to church. And I thought, okay, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Now, thankfully the Lord prepared us for this. We had one camera back then, we'd already been online and so forth, but I didn't know how you all were gonna respond. I didn't know how many of y'all were gonna lose your jobs. Well, obviously if you don't make any money, you can't tithe, right? And if we don't receive tithes, we can't pay bills. And so I thought, well, what are we gonna do? You know, I for a brief moment, looked into the, you know, the payroll protection program and all this other stuff. But you know, I just got a very, very strong sense from the Lord. And I will say sense. There are preachers who would say a word from the Lord. Um, I don't ever hear a voice from the Lord, but I believe as I ta taught our, our class on Wednesday uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter two, that the Holy Spirit speaks by impressing upon your spirit, right? And those of you who are not really uh, in the vernacular of the spiritual might say, well, my, I just, my conscience led me. Well, that could be the Holy Spirit seeking to speak to your spirit and leading you. And you need to pay attention to that, by the way. I have never heard an audible voice. The few times that I thought the Lord was leading me and, and it was formulated in words, it was just my inner monologue. It was just my inner voice. It wasn't Daryl because then I'd freak out. I'd, I, you know, I'd be terrified. I don't know if I would be paying attention. I would be shaking or something. But there's this impression, this sense, this leading, and I got that sense, it's gonna be okay. And so that's what I've lived the entire year. At the end of the, of the big freeze, as I've told you before, I got this overwhelming sense that the Lord was saying, it is done, it's done. So we just now had another tornado scare. You know, Texas is like, you know, different weather every day, right? It's like, look out, today we're gonna have hail and tomorrow we're gonna have a tornado and the next day it's gonna freeze and we never know what's gonna happen. If you're down south, you might get a hurricane. I mean, Texas is just like any kind of weather and every kind of weather. I prayed for y'all, but I wasn't worried at all because I believe it's done. That doesn't mean we're not gonna have challenges. We are, 
doesn't mean we're not going to have to have faith and so forth, but I believe that. And then about a month later, six weeks later, I told you that I believe, as the whole title of the sermon was, Our Time Has Come, and I believe that. It's our time to shine. Our time has come. I believe that. Now, there's scripture to back that up. I use scripture to back all of that up. But you have to be paying attention to the Holy Spirit as he enlivens that scripture, as he quickens that scripture, as he illuminates that scripture to your mind. If you read this and you're bored, you're not paying attention. Oh, I don't mean to this. That could be true. But you're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit as he's seeking to speak to you through this. I read the word every morning and sometimes I'm distracted. This morning was an example. I wasn't paying super close attention because I thought, oh, gosh, I haven't set up the live stream yet. So you know how it is. You get this distraction that's niggling you. And it's like, no, I need to go over here. And then I always send out a passage of scripture. Um, and, you know, again, I will, I will repeat this. Um, if you want to get the daily Bible passage of scripture, go to uh, lifewell.flocknote.com. Flock like a flock of sheep, flocknote, one word, lifewell flocknote.com and then just kick, click the daily Bible and you'll start getting these from me. But I, I send that out every day and we've been going through Deuteronomy, <laughs> but frankly, those of you that are reading, the last two chapters have not been super encouraging in Deuteronomy. Yeah, like those of you who got the one yesterday, the, the opening, I won't mention it here, it's like, what the, okay. There's some strange stuff in the Bible. It's just, you know, be honest. So I thought you needed something that went along with today. And uh, so I sent uh, John chapter 16 today. So all of these things are going through my mind, right? But I'm trying to pay attention to the scripture. So it can be that you're not, you're not focused. But see, more often, I think that what's happening is we're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit who's seeking to speak to us through God's word. But I've got news for you. The Holy Spirit is seeking to lead you all the time. And I've said this since the onset of the pandemic, you need to be paying attention to the Holy Spirit's leadership. That's what's gonna keep you out of danger. That's what's gonna keep you safe. Because if you're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit, if you're dancing around and doing whatever you feel like doing and getting outside the boundaries that God has laid for us in his word, and you're just doing what you feel like doing at the moment, then you may find yourself getting into a big pile of trouble. You may find yourself in jackpot situation after jackpot situation. There's some people I know, it's like they just live in a tornado constantly. There's somebody in this room and I that have talked about this. And some of y'all younger people, it's just, it's you just live in this tornado all the time and everything is stirred up in your life and you don't know why. You're not paying attention. You're just led by this feeling and that feeling and this voice and that social media post and this is why you're all scared. You need to read this more than you watch CNN or Fox, okay? You need to be in this word more often than you're on Facebook or TikTok or whatever your form of social media is. And the reality is we're just doing all this stuff all the time that we feel like doing rather than paying attention to the Spirit. So um, the Holy Spirit is Christ's agent on earth. He works alongside the disciples. The Spirit comforts us during persecution, and you're going to experience more of that. Hey, if you live out for Jesus, if you live openly for Jesus, if you live the type of biblical morals that you just heard spoken in Genesis chapter 2, you're going to be persecuted. Smile and take it. 
don't curl up and be scared. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are you when people persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on my account, Jesus said. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Are you unwilling to go through that? Then you will apostatize. You know what that big word means? That means you'll turn your back on your faith. As soon as it gets just a little bit hot, you'll turn your back on your faith. There's a, an old book um, called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Anybody ever heard of Fox's Book of Martyrs? All right, you should check it out. It's going to give you accounts of martyrs throughout the, the, the years. And uh, it starts with a fellow by the name of Polycarp. And Polycarp was the... Uh, disciple of the apostle John. And the Roman Empire was persecuting Christians very, very strongly. And they arrested Polycarp and they took him into the arena and they strapped him to a pole and they were going to burn him alive. And they told him that he needed to blaspheme Christ. He needed to speak against Christ, that he needed to give his allegiance to the emperor. And he said, I've lived over 80 years and served Jesus. How can I turn my back on my, on my Savior? He wouldn't do it. They burned him alive right there. Now, I pray that nothing like that is going to happen to any of you or any of us. But are you ready? Well, see, this is when you really need help. You need courage. I like this word. Have you ever, have you ever looked at the word encouragement? It means to give courage to or to receive courage or to be filled with courage. And the Holy Spirit is an encourager. That's what he does. So when you're constantly in a depression and anxiety and uh, discouragement, that's when you need the Holy Spirit to fill you up. And he will fill you up and he will help you. He will comfort you. He will counsel you. He will advocate for you. The Apostle Paul said that the Holy Spirit speaks to God on our behalf with, with groans that there are no words for. But see, you've got to be willing to receive that. You've got to be willing to receive help. You can't be like me. I can do it. No, thanks, God. I got this. See, sometimes we think, well, I need help now. But once I've kind of learned how to do it, I got this, God, I got this. No, the reality is you and I need help all the time, don't we? Every day, every moment of the day, we need help. We can't rely on the arm of the flesh. So it feels good when we have friends that come alongside. And those of you that are, that are married and you have a spouse that's supportive, of course, that, that's, that's good and that's right and that feels good. But ladies, I told you you were created to help. All the more reason for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, who is the helper. Amen? Because then you can help on a level that you wish you could help on. It, you ever wish when you're, when you're talking to somebody that you could just reach in where their heart is and just really, really touch where it hurts and, and really, really help them? You know, they seem to be just, they just kind of have this barrier and you, you can't reach in there, right? Those of you that are married, ladies, you ever ask your husband, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking right now? Or what are you feeling right now? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I was thinking about my truck. I was thinking that the Cowboys made a good selection this year. They're like, no, I, I want to go under that surface, honey. 
You can't. Or how about somebody that uh, is turning away from Christ, somebody that is hurt, hostile, uh, somebody that is sad, whatever, and you want to help them and you want to touch that hurt somehow, but you can't get in. The Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit does. How about someone whose heart is just hard and they're rejecting Christ? The Holy Spirit is the one that will convince them and convict them. You can win all the arguments and still lose the person. But see, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is convict people of sin and righteousness and judgment. Listen to this from uh, John chapter 16. This is verse five, but now I am going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now this is Jesus with the disciples on the last day, he would, full day he would spend on earth with them. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I'm not gonna exegete that passage. Suffice it to say, you don't need to win every argument. But if you will allow the Holy Spirit, first of all, to minister to you and then to minister through you, and if you will pray for those people, even those people that are hostile to you, didn't Jesus say, love your enemies? Even those people that are rejecting Christ or turning away who seem hard-hearted, pray for them. Pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them and then leave it to him, right? Um, there's, a, there's a really, really good several verses in Exodus chapter 14. The people of Israel are backed up to the edge of the Sea of Reeds and the Egyptian army is coming after them and that's where God led them. So they're standing there at the edge of the Sea of Reeds with no way out. They're trapped. The Lord is keeping the Egyptian army away from them, but nonetheless, that's where they're trapped. And Moses is standing there. And the Lord says to Moses, you should get this. This is Exodus 14, 13, and 14. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of your God. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And then he says, be silent. The Lord will fight for you. Amen? Sometimes you can't win the argument. People don't, argue rationally anymore. They argue emotionally. They get angry and hostile toward each other. And you can't even have a conversation with someone like that. So what you do is you back away, right? And you let the Lord fight for you. You need only be silent. But you need to be ready to move. Because verse 15, as Pastor Craig pointed out to me when I was quoting this verse some time ago, uh, verse 15, God says to Moses, Get up and move forward. Why are you crying out to me? See, at some point, you get up off of your knees. You've already prayed. You've already exercised a modicum of faith. And you get up off your knees and you move. 
Well, God's got to provide the opportunity. Well, you know what the opportunity was? Moses stretched out his staff over the Red Sea and the waters parted. Well, they still had to have faith that the water wasn't going to come back down upon them, but they followed Moses right through the seabed and onto the other side. And yet they still didn't trust the Lord because here came the Egyptians following them into the water. God said, stretch out your staff again. And this time the water came over the Egyptians and covered them. That was how God chose to deliver them. How will he choose to deliver you? I don't know. But you need to open your heart to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. First of all, you need to open your heart to trusting in Christ. You need to invite Christ into your heart. Then the Spirit is going to come inside. He's going to give you a rebirth, and He's going to abide with you, remain with you, live with you. But then you've got to pay attention to Him because it's entirely too easy to quench the Spirit when He's trying to lead you to do something, and so you're putting out His fire. It's entire too, entirely too easy to grieve the Spirit because you just keep doing what you've been doing in spite of the fact that He's trying to lead you to do something else. And don't put yourself in opposition to the Spirit. Don't put yourself in a position where you begin to blaspheme the Spirit and call good evil and evil good. Call darkness light and light darkness. Call sour sweet and sweet sour. Don't do that. You can put yourself in a position where you turn against God and you turn against the Spirit who is seeking to lead you to the truth and then you can't turn back. I don't want that to be the case for any of you. So all of us need to open ourselves up to this ministry of the Holy Spirit because he wants to come in and he wants to give you the help you need. Whatever it is, whatever counsel you need, he will supply you with the wisdom. Whatever comfort you need. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That makes no sense, except it is the Holy Spirit who provides the comfort. Everything that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that seemed to kind of turn everything on its head is because God is going to be the one that comes in and provides the reward. But you've got to be, I, I would say open-minded, but I think many of us are too open-minded to too many ideas. You need to be open-hearted. And see, that's what we're doing. We're too scared to open our heart completely to God, and that's where he comes and dwells. His spirit with your spirit. So my question is, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to admit that you need the help? then all you got to do is call out. I'll end with this. Uh, Luke 11, 11 through 13. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will knock and the for those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door will be open. And it concludes in verse 13. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Stop, listen again. Not stuff, not money. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask the Lord, who you have expressed faith in, to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to give you his comfort, to give you his counsel, to give you his guidance and then follow that guidance.